Baskin's emerging tech and venture capital practice is comprised of 80-plus dedicated legal professionals across the Canadian market. We're deeply involved in the startup ecosystem and have worked closely with founders from startup to scale to exit. Our team is a leading Canadian law firm for VC financings and tech M&A and act for many of the best-in-class startup and scale-up innovation-based companies and entrepreneurs in Canada. Given this experience, we understand market trends and can assist in guiding your company forward as you scale. We take a holistic and strategic approach to helping our clients achieve their goals and provide the full suite of services including corporate, corporate finance, M&A, commercial, IP, data and compliance, employment, tax and beyond. We are excited to help the next generation of unicorns. Hello and welcome everyone. I am Evan McCann and this is The Hard Part. This show is a deep dive into the strategies, founding stories, and behind-the-scenes insights from Canada's top founders, investors, and leaders. My guest today is Guillaume Thérien. Guillaume is the co-founder and managing partner of Triptych Capital. Based in Montreal, Triptych Capital is a $40 million early-stage venture capital investment fund that invests in companies developing tech for the media, creator economy, gaming, XR, and entertainment sectors. In this episode, we discuss Guillaume's background in marketing and entertainment, working at Loon Rouge, the family office of Guy Lalibrité, who founded Cirque du Soleil, Guillaume's other partners, and how to build a strong firm, and we discuss different platforms like the Apple Vision Pro and YouTube and how they impact founders in this space. Please enjoy my conversation with Guillaume Tellier. Guillaume, I'd like to start with your time. You worked at some really interesting spots in Montreal, like Opera de Montréal, just for laughs. Uh, you have this really strong background in marketing and entertainment. What really drew you to that space? And you stayed in it for quite a while. So what kind of kept you going in that space? First off, you know, music is my passion, like big time. So from Columbia Record, I don't know, he's, he's going to give you a bit my age, but, you know, I was uh, subscribing at Columbia Records and I was a big, you know, festival, music festival fan. You know, back in the days there was, uh, there were, you know, the Edge Festival for alternate, alternative music in Canada. And I went to Woodstock 99, so we can talk about that, that disaster, but I was there. So I'm a huge, huge music fan still is, you know, um, and um, I was really fascinated about the power of entertainment on gathering people together. Um, you know, how to escape from reality, um, getting your imagination going, immerse you know, yourself with, you know, other into something else from the reality so uh, that 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 was pretty natural um and on the marketing front i was really interested about the business behind it i was like oh my god you know it's not really not that it's not tangible but i was like hey people are paying um to get that thrill that emotion uh so i was really intrigued about um about it so you know, I studied in business and in finance and, and, and went into uh, labels first because your know, music was my passion. And I didn't speak a word in, in, in English back in the day. And when I, I 
knock at BMG Music, they said, hey, go learn English and, you know, we'll, we'll speak later. So I did. And uh, I came back, knock on the door a year after. I was, you know, I was so-and-so, but, you know, uh, well, well enough to, to do the job. So I work at, at BMG. They merged with Sony, so Sony BMG Music. And, uh, and that was, you know, that was so good. That was so fun. That was the golden era of, of you know, selling records and learning how it works, the distribution, working with the artists, but uh, learning as well how to face innovation because Napster came. And uh, I was really intrigued about it. And I, I felt to go back to my initial passion about, you know, sharing, about, you know, uh, gathering together. I, I was really positive about that at least not the maybe the business model and the royalties for for music but for you know fans i was i was like oh my god that's interesting but as you can imagine the labels were freaking out so um that probably led you know after that you know all my career into you know more tech innovation within that space because it, you know music has been disrupted first so that's um that's pretty much, you know, uh, why I, I did, you know, all those different jobs. And I really like, you know, challenges. And I know that, you know, other, you know, other technology will, would be disrupting um, the entertainment. And the opera might be really odd in terms of you know, my career because I'm not classically trained. I'm not you know, like an opera fan at all. But when they came to me to take care of all the revenues and the, branding and all that stuff they said to me you know we've, we're facing a big challenge because you know our audience our clients are dying like literally dying and you know for a marketer it's it's quite a fun uh challenge to to tackle so um I, you know I, I thought i would do a quick fix but you know I, I did five years and we ended up with you know i convincing roger water to do you know uh another brick in the wall, like the the wall in opera. So I had so much fun. Uh, and so, and on a personality level, you know, in entertainment parties are, are way better than, you know, in FinTech. You have all this kind of background in music and entertainment. I'm guessing what kind of insights did that give you now that you're kind of an investor in that space, right? So, you know, from a consumer standpoint, you know, you're just kind of going to a show, experiencing it, having fun. On a consumer side on music, you know, I'm just listening to Spotify. It's all great, everything there. But you have all this kind of like back end understanding. So what did that kind of give you as an unlock as an investor? Entertainment is um, usually disrupted first by new technology. Look at Gen AI, like Gen AI. Uh, that's, you know, first, you know, everyone said, you know, oh, AI will probably replace the, the, the rational part of our brain. Never the creative one. You know what? Wrong. Like we see it with Midjourney and all that stuff. Streaming with TV, you know, sharing economy with, um, with with music. So I think entertainment is the first disruptor as an industry. So it's interesting to see. And after that, you know, it goes to other you know uh, sectors. And uh, creatives are early adopter, early adopter of technology. So uh, on the new stuff. And they're ready to, to try to get this emotional, get this connection. So I think it, that's one thing that, you know, really helps me um, being an investor uh, within the creative industry. Yes, but within the tech as well. So that's, that's really helpful. And, you know, 
getting to know a little bit the traditional um, um, side of the business helps you look, you know, for, for tomorrow because and, and the, the, the future, it, even if, you know, industries are, you know, disrupted, you know, some fundamental stuff are, are happening and the key players are still there. Like the labels are still there in the music industry, production house are still there in the TV. So it helps me as well, you know, with the network. So after your career in marketing entertainment, you, you did a stint at Loon Rouge, which mm -hmm. is the family office, if people aren't aware of, of the founder of Cirque du Soleil. I'm just really curious what that experience was like. Was that your kind of first official job in investing? I don't know, maybe you were doing some angel checks or informal stuff before. So what was that experience like if that was maybe your first official investor role? Yeah, Le Rouge is, uh, yeah, is the family office of Guy de Liberté. He's the founder of Cirque du Soleil. So Cirque started, you know, his family off active and dynamic family office, uh, you know, investing in different stuff and operating stuff as well. I was uh, taking care that I had to take care of their um, nonprofit uh, incubator, launching an incubator specialized in at the crossroad of entrepreneurship, technology, and entertainment. They were the, the major contributor and donor for sure, but you know we brought other uh, you know partners. So we did that. I did that for you know with the team. We launched into 2018. We did that for three years, you know, just supporting, helping, getting you know, program the service um, to, to you know to the startups and to the founders. Uh, so that was that was uh, quite interesting. I was not doing you know direct investment, you know, officially. I saw it you know through uh, other uh, activities that you know, those were were doing, but I was faced with, you know, I was on the ground to see what the startup uh, needed and required. And that's basically, you know, that was a foundation of our thesis of Triptych because when we saw during three years, where were the gaps in the fundraising and the funding of company, um, what was required um, to, to fix that. And uh, yeah, that, that without, without that expertise, that experience, um, and that deep knowledge of, of you know what's happening on on the ground, um, you know, we would have been able to to properly, uh, I would say. So you're in this role, and and it really helps identify kind of maybe this gap or the thesis for Triptych. How did you really come to build out Triptych? Find the other partners that you're working with. Just kind of that genesis story behind the whole firm. So you kind of have this initial spark of an idea, but how do you really kind of execute that there was a major gap in the funding because all the startups coming from you know the incubator and elsewhere um they first off they were looking for money and that was always the same thing um they were uh, good enough for you know generalist vc but all the generalist vc were saying the same thing find a lead that as a that is specialized or that is strategic to what you're doing because they felt that they didn't really understand and have the proper network to, to, to help the company. And those companies were looking around in terms of specialized VC in, in Quebec, in Canada, there was none or really few. There's couples that are, you know, uh, attacking this vertical, but not many. So we, we saw that there was, you know, one in terms of, you know, 
in the ecosystem, there was a gap. On the funding side, we we saw that you know most in the like creative tech in Canada, most of the support is uh, governmental based. So it's public. It's you know shreds grants contribution. Sometimes you know founders have to choose is it for profit non 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 profit. They have to mix you know with both to get the maximum out of it. And the funding was and still is uh, really targeted towards project um, versus company. So that the investment is not into the company. It's really more into uh, you know just reimbursement of you know eligible you know expenses. So we're basically ending up having uh, a you know, creative sector that is mostly service driven. Uh, so big companies are coming here, uh, hiring great talent because we're creative, we're technologically well trained, um, but all the wealth generated through the IP, let's let's say for gaming, if you're Ubisoft, I like them, and I think you know not you know opposite opposing you know stuff, but you know you're you're buying in assets and creed is is going to France, you're buying. Know, Batman, it's going to Warner in, in the US. So there's none, uh, you know, IP wealth here. And there's no real creation, uh, you know, value creation of the, 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 the business. So we were like, oh, there's a systemic um, challenge here. Uh, so we said, yeah, okay, the ecosystem, there's a gap in, in funding, there's, uh, there's a gap as well. And uh, yeah, so that, that's why we decided. We said, like, okay, let's let's see, you know, what they do elsewhere in the U.S. and Scandinavia, in, in Asia and Europe. And uh, we look at the best in class, like those Bitcraft, London Venture Partner, Colop, um, just to name a few makers. There's many. And we said, like, okay, perfect. Let's build, you know, our our thesis, our model around it. So that's why we are, you know, forty million dollar fund. Investing in tech, so no service, no pure content. Content's completely different type of, of business. So really, tech for you know the creative industry. So gaming, media, entertainment, creator economy, XR, and we decided not to opt for a spring for approach. And it's not because you know I, I judged you know that that strategy. It's just that we felt that having the, the possibility to lead runs. Uh, being, you know, boutique type of of, uh, of VC would benefit more, you know, the founders. So we're doing less check, but we're doing four or five deals per year. We're leading, syndicating, and playing our role of, you know, strategic, you know, investor. The first fund, $40 million, which is a, a substantial amount, especially in Canada, especially as an emerging manager, first-time manager. What What do you think was really successful with raising that kind of outsized first fund first thanks man it's uh yeah we're we're pretty we're pretty proud let's let's face it that was the most challenging things i've done in my life i don't want to discourage anyone but that was really challenging uh in terms of humility wow it's uh it bring you back on on the on the ground like your track record, your experience is being scrutinized and that's good. That's fair, but it's, it's, it's really challenging because people are investing in you and your network and why, so why you would be the best to get the deal flow and 
and, and, and get the right deal. So I think that the, the first thing that was key was the team. So the GP team, and I would, I would say I would, I would have not done it without the right team and solo GP. I don't know how they're doing it seriously. Um, so the team was number one. So I'm more operational industry, um, with, you know, the proper industry experience, you know, marketing, commercialization, that's, that's more in a go-to-market. That's more my, my thing, but we needed more. So Charles was my partner is a lawyer by formation. He did VC all his life, Nova Cap, FSTQ, pension fund, and in IT. So he's bringing something more on deal-making, LP relationship. And, you know, Bert Bertrand Neveu, which is my other partner, he's the engineer, tech entrepreneur who did it. Uh, hardware, you know, company, did an exit to Apple, work at Apple. So this team of like really complementary, I think that that's probably the, the foundation of our success and why and how we did it. So I would say first off that that's probably number one. Second is we know what we know. Um, and so we define our thesis really well. Um, and we decided what we want to do, what we can't do. Um, and our thesis, our financial model, model, our fund structure was really, really clear and easy to, to, to communicate to, to LPs for fundraising. So that was really good for us to get a, you know, interest, but at, you know, as well to get a no really fast. And that's, that's the thing I would, I would, I would say an advice for everyone who's want to, you know, raise as an emerging manager because you're an emerging manager until fund four. Um, so, uh, so it's really like get nose like really fast. Um, and after that, you know, you just, you just, just technical stuff that, you know, I, I didn't really know, but that, but that was really key first, you know, you have to invest personally. So enough so that, you know, you've got skin in the game and, um, and, and, you know, the, the LPs are like, okay, great. You're, 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 you're there with me and that's your own money as well. So, um, so we did that, um, and, and we're happy to, and I think that, that, that was the right thing to do. And, uh, we started off with an anchor LP. So that was the thing, like Lunarouge was the anchor, uh, with other, you know, I network individual from the sector. So. You know, having us investing in a clear uh, thesis with backed by Anchor and other, you know, uh, iNetwork individual from the sector really gave us, you know, that acceleration. And we pitched over, you know, 300, I think, LPs. Um, and we've got corporate, institutional, we got a bank, uh, and we've got over 50, you know, LP out of the 300. So. It's it's pretty a pretty good ratio, but you know when you've got you know twenty nos the same week, you know the it's a different taste uh, of you know your your wine on the Friday, but uh, you know it's uh, that's that's how we did it. Just you know hustling, hustling like you're a startup, right? You're you, like you never did it, so you you have to convince people to, to why you're doing it. Earlier, you mentioned kind of all the different spaces that you invest in. Are there any that are just kind of really exciting right now or have some kind of tailwinds or momentum behind them? 
are you kind of really interested about, you know, you, you mentioned your co-founder there with that exit to Apple. Are you curious about what the headset, like the, the Vision Pro is going to unlock for different companies? Like what's, what, what are areas that you're super interested in? Apple just, just announced just before CES that their uh, the Apple, the Apple Vision Pro will be uh, on sale in the U.S. in fact. So it's exciting. So that's for sure, you know, spatial computing for us is is really uh, interesting when we're looking at it. We, we've got, I would say, key advantage in, in terms of knowledge with, with BERT. Um, so we're excited about that. And we'll, we'll look at, you know, the adoption. And I think it's an industry that is looking for a killer app. Um, so we'll look into that. But in spatial computing, for me, it's the underneath technology. But I think the, the world and the technology is moving to, to web 3D. So it, we're living in 3D. So and all the internet and digital is in 2D right now. So it makes more sense for me. The next generation will be everything in 3D. So and that's that's uh, that's easy to as a concept, but it's that's harder to do in terms of latency, you know, computing and all that stuff. So, so that's super exciting. I don't think you know it's going to be the um, um, mass adoption uh, of the headset. Don't think so. You know, Apple. It's called you know Vision Pro, and each words you know, for Apple are well chosen. So. And they're they're blind to to ship you know two hundred k of them of units so but it might be the like cross the chasm moment and I'm pretty sure you know Meta Samsung HTC everyone is excited about you know um, the arrival of Apple even if it's a big competitor it's gonna maybe move you know all the category up so that's one of the things we're excited like you know personally but and I think you know I, I really truly think it's gonna change a lot for the next five ten years. Um, blockchain is interesting as well. I think it's, uh, we didn't invest yet. Um, but there's a lot of, uh, you, you know, use case that can be really applicable in entertainment when we're talking about copyrights with smart contract, digital asset ownership. Um, so we're patient, but, uh, I think it's, it might be really promising and with the cyber security type of the removal of cookie and all that stuff. Anything that is changing on the internet might be good for, you know, for, for blockchain. And last, it's not a technology, but it's more an industry. I'm, I'm, we're, we're excited about the creator economy. I know it's scaring some people, but I think, um, I think AI um, is actually going to unlock, you know, incredible opportunities for, uh, for, for, everyone like for everybody as a creator and i think the, the generation that is coming gen z and gen alpha you don't even like digital identity is just part of their dna so i think we, we won't even talk about creator economies it's like it's it's just going to be the extension of themselves like it or not it's going to be so um, I, I think uh, I think that's going to be exciting. What's going to happen out there? What are your thoughts on geography? Like, if I'm thinking about entertainment, automatically like Los Angeles comes to mind. Right. However, you know Montreal also comes to mind for me, especially in Canada. With you know anything from Just for Laughs, Cirque du Soleil. I also remember seeing some 
graph like a year ago of like how many gaming companies were in Montreal. And it was like, it was super, super impressive. I didn't know that. So I guess what are some geographies? Do you think geography is, is really powerful in entertainment tech? Is there other areas or different geographies you're looking at? Too? Yeah, but you know, let's start with Montreal because we're based out of Montreal. Um, it's uh, Montreal is interesting because it's probably one of the best. Montreal has a legacy in, in entertainment tech, like soft image in the 90s. It's like probably the most iconic VFX software that enable, you know, the you know, Jurassic Park, Avatar and, um, you know, Star Wars. Uh, and uh, that was a great startup story as well, because huge exit to Microsoft. 200 million in the 90s. And uh, Daniel Langlois, who was the, the founder, you know, was actually sitting on the board of Microsoft, like a Canadian sitting on the board of Microsoft. So that was a big transaction. And it, it brought Microsoft to Montreal, brought, you know, Autodesk after that, that bought the asset back from Microsoft, Avid. And so that really helped, you know, just elevate the entire um, skill sets of talent. So and after that, you know, one of our government, uh, one of our prime minister decided to establish uh, shred credits and incentives so that gaming can come. And Ubisoft, you know, decided to put their second biggest office here in Montreal. EA, you know, we've got this huge gaming industry. And without soft image, I don't think, you know, the gaming would have come even with incentive. But, you know, there's the skill set. So it's, it moved the needle there, the needle there. And you're right with Cirque du Soleil uh, because the Cirque, Cirque was so big and still is. I mean, they were struggling during COVID, but who didn't, you know, in live entertainment? But, um, but Cirque gave, um, gave the opportunity to new companies like Moment Factory in the immersive uh, type of experience to, to, to scale. They... Um, gave you know, the opportunity to outbox which is an, a new ticket you know ticketing box office to after that they, they they've been they exited to a uh ang um so they were using them and they were you know even invested in them uh felix and paul which is probably one of the best xr company in the world working with nasa they started off with with service so i think that that's for montreal so i'm you know big believer uh, but i think you know uh Across Canada, you know, it's we shouldn't be shy at all. Like, look at Vancouver with the VFX and, and the gaming; it's just crazy. Look at you know at Calgary with uh, you know the you know, the the TV. Um, you know, more and more you know companies are coming to shoot, and you know facilities are getting be be better and bigger. There's you know esports now facilities you know being being built uh, in Calgary, Toronto, obviously with you know AI. And you know, TV, movies, and even in Atlantic Canada, you know, one of the biggest exits, you know, was in broadcasting. So Canada is a great place because you know uh, we we're talented, co you know, we're cost efficient, and we're there. You know, the government is really supporting well this, but we're in competition with the world, right? So India's really good. South Korea's impressive really impressive it's probably the leading into the growth leading the growth in expert and 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 in that field 
and you know Australia. So and the U.S. obviously, you have to have you know you have to be in LA. Like LA is the mecca of you know entertainment. Curious your thoughts on any kind of nuances or particular challenges that entertainment tech has. If you know if you looked at fintech for example, lots of regulatory issues, especially in Canada. Are there certain things that kind of founders in the space should know that like, Hey, there's common roadblocks or challenges that they encounter. And there's a couple of things, you know, AI, obviously right now. So with the copyrights, so I think all startups uh, should look and follow what's going on and laws are different around the world. Sometimes, you know, you can, you can't register AI, you know, uh, content, but you know, in UK, you can. Um, depending on how many, how much, you know, human interaction had with the content. So I think that's one thing you have to look at. And there's so many files in courts right now. So that's, that's one thing to really to, to look at, um, the changes as well, that is going to the privacy, confidentiality and identity for, uh, you know, in, in social media platform and content platform. I think that that's one of the things. Um, and one thing I would say that, that it's really distinctive to, to the, you know, our sector is, um, it's sometimes we're, we're seeing companies that are trying to do both. They're trying to do tech and content, um, which makes sense. You know, uh, it's, you know, you're treating your own tools and all that stuff, but for, you know, VC investor, it's, uh, it's, it's challenging because, you know, content company, their the funding is so complex and different than you know tech companies. So when you're investing in a company that you know are trying to do both, it's um, it's uh, confusing. So I, I would say for for founders who want to do an entertainment tech company, I think they they have to choose. I'm not saying which one they have to choose, but they probably for to to talk to VCs like us or. It's, it's more it's really choosing the, the tech-like route, which is not that different than fintech or other industries. What would be a good example of someone who's kind of maybe selected content and tech? Like, you know, like Vice is a big name that came out of Montreal from a content yeah. standpoint. Would you consider that kind of entertainment tech and they went down more the content route? Like, I guess, what would you kind of define there as content? Vice is a great example that because we can argue and say it's a platform. Um, but for me, Vice is a media company. It's just, they're creating their own content. Um, it's just, they're using digital platform to, to, to broadcast it. Their model is really, really similar to traditional media advertising subscription. So for me, it's a content company, um, YouTube or, you know, Roblox or are, are different. It's UGC. So, oh, it's really a platform. They're giving tools. There's SDK. Um, there's a clear mode uh, into in, in that. So I would say that that may be the difference. I, I would say the best example in Canada is probably Wattpad. Uh, Wattpad is a huge exit um, coming from Toronto. Um, it's script, a script, you know, uh, yeah, UGC platform and they they scale big time, and uh, um, and Alan Miles a fantastic uh, founder. I think it's uh, it's a kind of company that would represent really well what's what's entertainment. Can we talk about 
some of your most recent publicly announced investments, maybe one or two? Why did you make them? How did you find the founder? What excited you about those companies? We're just building a portfolio, right? So let's Shapes XR is a great one. I would say Shapes is um, just to keep it short. It's like the Figma uh, of three. So you know, Figma has completely changed our conceptualizing, ideating, sharing, and building uh, stuff. Um, and they're a solid platform integrating with everything, but it's 2D, right? And like Shapes XR is the same thing they want to do, but in 3D, like using XR and VR and, and, and spatial computing. But if you want to do something in 3D, let's conceptualize it in 3D. So it's, they're giving the tools to, to designer there and creators to do it. So um, that's one of the platform we backed and that we're, we're really excited, I think. Um, and, you know, the, the arrival of Apple will just, we think, accelerate you know, the adoption. So, uh, and Inga's an incredible founder, female founder, um, and she's just able to gather the best resources and you know talent and bring the team and the right investors. So we're pretty ecstatic about that now. Um, and um, I would say you know. Uh, Streamforge is a great example as well. You know, it's, uh, you know, there's so many games published on Steam, like over, you know, you know, dozen of thousands of games per year. So just to get to the right public, get, you know, uh, the right, you know, go-to-market approach is really challenging. And they don't use traditional marketing. They use gamers, they use influencers. So basically, Streamforge is this type of ent enterprise software helping um, you know, gaming studio first right, and, or publisher to connect with the right uh, creators, um, you know, streamers, creators, influencer, you know, from TikTok, uh, Twitch, uh, YouTube, um, and it's, you know, Doing you know, everything from sourcing, betting, organizing your campaign, getting your CRM of you know of of, uh, of, of influencer and creators. So that that's pretty interesting. And after that, they're moving to how brands could connect with the gaming industry, not just game content to gamer, but you know brands to the the gaming uh, and the gamers. So um, pretty ecstatic about that one as well. It's, you know, Quebec-based company. And, you know, funny enough, the, the founders, two founders, they met on a stream, on, on, you know, by streaming and just sharing. And that's how they connected. So just playing games. So that's that's one of the other thing is, you know, they're living and breeding um, in, in the, that, you know, their, their own Kool-Aid. So it's uh, that that that's interesting. But we've got so many, you know, just pick two. But, you know, we just did announce Ripples, which is more hardware software company for the stadiums and arenas and venues. And they're basically, uh, it's like a spatial computing system that connects digital objects and physical space. So enhancing, uh, you know, the connectivity and the geo uh, 
uh, uh, targeting. So that will all, you know, give, you know, property manager, a, a better understanding of, you know, the crowd management, um, the G, like the, the giving as well, giving them the opportunity to, to, to put a layer of augmented reality to the game or to the, 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 the concert, um, and the, the fat engagement. Um, you know, enhancing the latency. So it's, it's more, you know, really backbone infrastructure. Curious about your thoughts on platforms, right? So, you know, just some big ones, for example, would be like YouTube, Steam. I'm assuming Vision Pro will be that. What do you think about when you're kind of investing in a company or thinking of investing in a company and they're like, hey, we're just on one platform? Um, you know, for example, like when the App Store came out, Uber, Airbnb, all these big companies that we think about, like basically spawned from that. So do you think there'll be some sort of similar approach with Vision Pro as people can build on a platform? There's some risk to that, but the platform will be so big or should they be more cross-functional? They could work with Meta's headset. How do you think about platform? Apple is so, so powerful and they're offering their SDK. They're offering everything. Uh, they're working with Unity. I think it's going to be Unreal enabled as well, but I think they're working closer to Unity, which is you know actually not going well uh, in the market. But we'll see if they buy them. Um, it's not a prediction, but you know, maybe um, it's. Uh, I think you know Apple. The example of Apple is is specific because they, they've got now not only the uh, IoT ecosystem, so like the headset, the watch, the phone. TV, so we're like, wow, it's crazy. You've got everything. Um, so it makes more sense to I just did one OS, right? And just stay within the ecosystem, even if you're giving back 30%. Um, so I think they'll, they'll still have that strength, but you know, those epic games and they're, they're gonna fight hard um, to, to would it, would it like to, they're gonna fight to bring this monopoly out but it won't be it won't be that easy but there's going to be new platforms that's the thing um i don't i don't i'm not sure the 2d ones will be able to do the right transition of the 3d ones so i think there's going to be new ones appearing uh like vr chat like uh, rec room you know there's a couple you know that already started already going to pivot you know there's going to be new one so that's exciting for startups that are developing um, or are thinking about platform for uh, spatial computing, metaverse, call it the way you want. But I think there's there's going to be for sure new platforms coming. I'd love to jump into the quick fire round and would love to know your favorite book. And if it's hard to pick a favorite, maybe just something you're currently reading. And you know what? I brought them with me. You know, I love that question. I love reading, like big reader. Um, so I've got, you know, I've got three for you. So I've got first is next. So from Daryl uh, Bricker. So uh, it's just, you know, if you want to know more about the future of Canada, so in terms of demography, it's just a must. So it's so well written and, and done. So Canada's going, like the population is going to move out west and really urban. And it's really interesting just to understand, you know, our economy. So that, that's one thing uh, I really enjoyed. Classic, but I think chip war, macroeconomy, just understanding how tech is playing a big role. And um, that that's my key book I, I read. And I just bought this one. 
Um, and I read it, you know, th throughout the holiday season. It's uh, founder versus investor by Elizabeth Zaldman, which is you know founder, and Jerry Newman, which is uh, an investor. And it's super candid, deadly honest, uh, not you know, really contrarian. It's all this step in this stage of you know a, a startup and the relationship or the vision, the perspective of investor and founder. Uh, wow, it's fun to read, and it's uh, it's an interesting book. I'll have to check those out. I know Chip Chip Wars on my list, but those other two I haven't heard of, so I'll, I'll check those out. What are you most excited about in twenty twenty four, personally and professionally? Personally, I'm a sports fan, so Olympics uh, and Euro for sure. Um, always a Super Bowl coming coming soon, so these are exciting stuff. Um, Professionally, um, professionally, I would say 2024. I really feel uh, I'm, I'm not, you know, an eternal optimistic guy, but I really feel the core, the founder of 2024, will be uh, extraordinary. I think it's going to be the 2008 or the 2000 type of cohorts. I think just by the deal flow we're receiving, it's just so exciting because, and I don't want to capitalize on. on sad stuff but you know so many tech layoff from big companies some of those you know many of those or majority of those are are really skilled people talented people that decided to maybe not join another big tech company but start their own and it takes time it's like four or five six months before you know they were hearing from and they're going public before you know they're they're, they're moving from stealth to public so uh, I'm really excited about, you know, meeting new founders and adding portfolio companies. So, uh, I know 2023, 2024, people are thinking, are mostly these are talking about, you know, taking care of your portfolio and bridge round extension. We're lucky enough and fortunate, you know, we're deploying new capital. We're not, we don't have enough, you know, companies in our, in, in our portfolio right now. So we're building it. And I really feel, you know, we're, we're going to see amazing stuff. How do you deal with hard times? You mentioned raising a fund was one of the hardest things you've ever done. Did you have things that kind of helped you during that moment? Are you into fitness or meditation or just whatever? What what, what helps you out? You might laugh, but um, uh, the best way for me to put my brain at off uh, is, you know, I'm watching true crimes. <laughs> I'm just watching and random. It's always the same thing, same almost music, always the same narrative, but... You know, I, that's, that's, I don't know if I'm, it's bringing me back to earth or, you know, I, I find it funny and, and interesting, intriguing. So, uh, that's one thing I'm running as well and listening to old school punk music. Um, that's some of the thing I'm doing just to, to like remove the stress and also, you know, just getting with, you know, I've got four kids, so just spending time, quality time having fun with, you know, the family, um, really helps me. That was the last question for me. I like to open up the mic to you to leave the listeners with anything you want to leave them with. If you're reading what's going on, it's a lot of, uh, unpredictable scenarios, but I would say like, let's, let's, I'm pretty sure it's going to be, uh, more exciting than we thought, but we're thinking. And I would say to everyone, like, let's try to be positive. Um, 
and just be, be a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, let's let's try to hang on during 2024, and in 2025 will 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 be better. But I'm, I'm I'm not that type of person. I think you know, let's live fully 2024. Um, it's just you know, let's let's face it. We just coming back from you know pandemic. That was way worse. Um, that's that's. It, economically and there's shift and yeah for sure there's terrible things happening in the world um but we're fortunate lucky enough to be in a great country and working in you know an amazing industry which is tech and entertainment so i would say uh build you know build a team you know gather the right resource have fun doing it like really have fun doing what you do um because um, you, you're going to get you know great results out of it. So that's pretty much what I, what I would say. It's just uh, um, don't don't waste or don't put a mark on 2024. I think it's going to be a, a great year. I love that, and thanks so much for coming on. I, I learned a lot about the the space and Triptych, and I just really appreciate it. So. Um... Yeah, just thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Hey, Evan, thanks for thanks so much for having me, and uh, thanks so much for you know everyone listening to my French Quebecois accent. So if ever you're in Montreal, like please ping me, and we'll we'll share a routine. And, uh, and I will. That sounds like a lot of fun. Thanks. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to subscribe, share with friends, and reach out with guest suggestions. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and subscribe to our newsletter on Substack to keep up to date.